Welcome back to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur. Every week we talk about the Rams and uh, their opponent that week. And this week we're talking about the Rams against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are three and three, and they've won their last two games, a blowout win over the San Francisco 49ers and another blowout win over the New York Jets, which is not surprising for a team to blow out the Jets, but even still 24 to nothing. You know, how many teams have the Dolphins shut out in the last 20 or 30 years. It's uh, not easy to do, uh, and it's not easy. Not every team is uh, shutting out the Jets, but the Dolphins have something apparently potentially cooking here with Brian Flores. He could be Bill Belichick's first successful disciple. We don't know. Uh, right now, things are looking pretty good, I would imagine, because um, and by the way, our guest this week is Waylon McQueen. He is a writer uh, and a uh, Dolphins fan, and he, he works with the NFL's fantasy division, uh, so he knows a lot about fantasy football. Um, and uh, thanks for joining me, Wayland. Thanks for having me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I felt like I wanted to introduce you because I'm about to go into this uh, thought about <laughs> here about Brian Flores, and I want to get your thoughts, which is, you know, um, the team, I think, like, rebuilding to me has always been overrated in the NFL in baseball you know we were talking about baseball before this started and in baseball I understand baseball because it's so hard to maneuver with contracts once you get an albatross on your roster or you know because there's no salary cap it's so hard to compete so rebuilding like we were talking about the Astros they completely destroyed everything that was about their team to start (laughs) over (laughs) Uh, and when they and and luckily enough, or whether they cheated or whatever, uh, they were able to <laughs> they were able to cheat their way into having a dominant franchise. For in many respects, you know, it's hard to win the World Series every year, but they're consistently a team that can win the World Series. And I think rebuilding in baseball makes a lot of sense because of the minor leagues and stashing players and trades and all this kind of stuff. But in the NFL, I really think players' careers are not long enough to think about five years down the line in the way that the Astros or the Cubs uh, could think five years down the line. I don't think you can think five years down the line in the NFL. You know, with the LA Rams, they hired Sean McVay. They went from four and 12 to 11 and five the next season, instant contenders. Um, When they won the Super Bowl in 1999, instant contenders. They went from four and 12 to the best team in the NFL, a dominant team, one of the best teams that ever was. Um, and I look at the Miami Dolphins and I look at the AFC East. Typically, uh, a team hires a coach uh, in the AFC East and they, they go 3-13 and 13 or 2-14 and 14 it's, and then they get another year and they go 6-10 and 10 and then they get another. And this is the Adam Gaze story. You know, it's just like they're, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're fine with all, you know, you're fine with that. But I think you really got to be successful instantly in a way by your second season. Bill Belichick. 5-11 and 11 the first season, won the Super Bowl the next season. Sean McVay went to the Super Bowl the next season. Uh, I could keep going. Pete Carroll went to the Super Bowl in his fourth season, but they were really dominant by their third season, really. Uh, and they, there's things about the Miami Dolphins that remind me of, like, that early success because they shouldn't be competing right now by a lot of stretches of the imagination because maybe their offensive line didn't look very experienced or, or ready to perform this season. Brian Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Do you feel like this is uh, the, the beginning of a, a positive role here for the Miami Dolphins? Are you trying to, to caution yourself based on these last two games? Because it does <laughs> feel, it feels good, right? 
Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it definitely feels good. I mean, I think that if you're, I, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, so I've been a Dolphins, watching the Dolphins for, what, 25 years easily now. And uh-huh. so you've, I've trained myself to caution myself every year. <laughs> uh, I've been excited about too many. I mean, I, I, I put myself up for Jay Fiedler, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you, you have to approach it with caution. But I guess maybe it's just because coming off of Adam Gase, but, like, other people I talk to like the Dolphins and just the way that they've played even last year, which wasn't, you know, like five and 11 isn't a smashing success, but uh, it felt different than it has before, even with a team that was losing. There's something yeah. about Forrest that I think I, I get, I, I think that's kind of your question is that I think Forrest, something about Forrest is working because you have a team that you know is they're expecting to lose. And I think you're right with football the game is just too hard to truly tank. Like in baseball, it's not like you're exerting yourself. I mean, they're out there, elite athletes, obviously. But so to have a team that knows they're losing, they're purposely losing to get a quarterback of the future and still, they were fun to watch last year. I I had more fun watching the team last year than some of those like nine and seven playoff teams or, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that a lot of people have lost sight of of really what the Dolphins did last season because after – after four weeks, people were saying, this is the worst team in the NFL. They got to be taken out of the – they were the Jets last season. Yeah, speaking of shutout, like they had like <laughs> five points. I don't know. I know that's yeah, exactly no, they, they had like no points. <laughs> they lost 59-10 to the Ravens. They lost 43 nothing to the Patriots. They lost 31-6 to the Cowboys, and they lost 30-10 to to the Chargers. But I think that what people do lose sight of, and I think this is also why the Jets could easily go 4-12 and this season and people kind of just forget about how much they trashed them – they go five and four over their last nine games. They they were com- competitive in, in most of their losses. Uh, they they beat the Patriots in the finale, um, and this was not a Patriots team that was resting with starters. It had they beat I mean, the it, Patriots. It, that like maybe, I mean Brady's on the Buccaneers maybe because of that loss. If I want to really pat the Dolphins yeah. on the back, but so they don't get the bye, and now they're losing in the first round, and things just fell apart. I mean, I think the Patriots are the the you know the their armor was fading a little bit anyway but yeah uh, yeah but I mean no like I think that was really it was brutal the beginning of last season you're right it's easy to forget but um you know there's something about Fitzpatrick doing well that I think everybody in the NFL likes right like definitely yeah Um, speaking of you know (laughs) proceeding with caution though you know yes every year when Fitzpatrick looks like this whether it's with the Bucks or the Bills or the Jets uh or uh or now the the Dolphins there's December comes and and he's not as good or the fourth quarter comes he's never he's you know he had that opportunity with the Jets a couple years ago to like hey this is your playoff game you win the Jets are going to the playoffs I think he played poorly uh yeah but I think that maybe there's this zero pressure in Miami or there was last year and even this year, I think. Right. And I, I think that's probably where he plays the best or when mm. it's kind of that I'm coming in, like when it's like real, like, Oh, I have to be like a real top tier quarterback. Maybe that's <laughs> when he can step up, but he has no, he's had zero stakes since coming to Miami. And I think that's when he plays the best. And it's not that every game he's been amazing. Um, mm. Even at the beginning of this season, he wasn't looking great at the first couple of games, but yeah. Um, you know, I, it's just been a fun team, but I think it has to go back to Flores. I'm not like such a wonk where I know I don't, you know, read all the interviews and know what's going on in the clubhouse, obviously, but I do, <laughs> uh, I do feel like that, especially coming off of Gase, uh, that they've found at least a person that has this team motivated. And, uh-huh. it, 
and I think going back to what you're saying, like five year windows in football, like if, yeah, if he can hold on to this team for five years through when they're bad, I think that's a huge start over having someone like, yeah. like look at Mike, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. It just seems like they just don't care still. <laughs> like what's the difference? I mean, I know they're having injuries and they have talent problems, but I'm, I'm happy with Flores. Let's uh, get into some of the, um, that's kind of the macro picture. Let's get into some of the micro. Um, and why not just start off with what you're most comfortable with, perhaps, I don't, you know, which is that uh, maybe some of these offensive skill players on the Miami Dolphins. Um, and, and let's also talk about the ones on the Rams, because, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time with these guys from a fantasy perspective and maybe uh, looking into how they do uh, this or that. Um, what about Miles Gaskin? You know, he is, uh, he was, he played at the University of Washington, he kind of flew under the radar. Now he's playing for the Miami Dolphins. Um, is this a guy that, uh, he's only 23 years old. Is he's, this a guy that could have a, a future as like a, a number one guy? Uh, it's hard to tell with running backs, right? I mean, you know, as well as mm-hmm. anyone. Um, but, uh, when I watch it, I'm, I think of, of all the players, he's the one I'm trying to keep my ex. I, I've been impressed with him. I do have him on a fantasy team. Like he's been doing exceeding expectations. Cause what yeah. going into the year, everyone was like Jordan and Breda were the guys. Uh, and isn't Jordan or Howard Jordan Howard. Worst, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jordan Howard. Isn't yeah. Jordan Howard the worst running back in the NFL? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like he's, cause he gets, still gets like third down touches or goal line touches. And even then it just looks like he has like no, spring in his step he just looks yeah. like he falls straight into that line to be um, fair to jordan howard and uh, you because you bring it up i just want to be yeah. fair because his numbers are 18 carries for 14 yards Ugh. but but he has three touchdowns and uh you can imagine maybe they only need that one or two there's only one or two yard to pick up when they put him in the game but still 18 carries for 14 uh yards i mean especially going into this season where I mean, I'll talk fantasy. I know that's not exactly what I'm talking about, but like he was not, he was being drafted by almost everybody. It's not like really? he was being left on the bench. Uh, I mean, maybe you're talking 10th round, but he was, he was, him and Breda were both pretty much being drafted on most like 12 team leagues. And they're making yeah, like $4 million before. each or something like that. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, but at the same time, it's like Gaskin has, I've liked Gaskin. I don't know if he's, you know, it's not like there, it's not like he, he's, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire or anything but uh yeah um but you never know with running backs you know some of these you just never know yeah drafted guys because they've got James Robinson uh doing so well for Jacksonville yeah yeah uh so I'm being cautiously optimistic I mean I think he I think if I mean I don't don't know um I think because they do have really good receivers and if uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Tua later, but if their quarterback is good, I think Gaskin's good enough to do what they need him to do. Definitely. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think they need Ezekiel Elliott or Derek Henry. I mean, they would obviously love him. Yeah. Like that, but how I don't do think you, they how, would need him. <laughs> how, does it, how does it make you feel uh, in the midst of this season to be 3-3, three three, feeling good, and, and, and benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and potentially, you know, and these rumors about trading Xavier Howard and such like that? Um... So, I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, are the Dolphins going to win the Super Bowl? No, right? Like, right. Uh, I'm a huge Dolphins fan. Obviously, I'll be rooting for them all the way. But you're looking at the Chiefs and Ravens and Steelers. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> like, and there's just no way they're getting to the Super Bowl would be a miracle. But, I mean, the Bills have looked pretty human. So, Definitely. I, I think that... 
One could I don't even know. argue that the Bills are an example of what the Dolphins are trying to avoid, which is they've spent three years being good but not a real contender. And what if they had taken some of those opportunities to cash in on what value they did have? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the Dolphins of the mid-2000s were the same, uh, a little different, but it's kind of the same thing where there were those years where they were always around 500. Every once in a while they'd get above 500 enough to make the playoffs. And then you're just like, they'll play the Steelers or – Colts at the time and you're just like mm-hmm. there's just no chance that they're going to go anywhere and it's just it's, it just got so frustrating uh so I do think it's very exciting to see them three and three uh I'm a big baseball fan too I'll try not to talk about it a lot but it's like you <laughs> see this you see this in baseball too where you see these teams that are a year it's a year early but I I think it's really they should push I think they should push for it they should push for the playoffs and they like to me this year if they went 10 and six and got that seventh seed or, or nine and seven and got that seventh seed and lost in the first round would feel like a victory for the first time versus like a annoying defeat. Like <laughs> before it was almost yeah. like you're making me watch the dolphins one more week and this year, but you know, don't sell out the future. And I think Flores and I think it seems like that they have that point of view where the most important thing is 2021 and 2022 and 2023. But, yeah. And that's smart. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. You know, if you can, if you don't see Xavier Howard in the in the plan next year or the, the year after that, then you know that is that is maybe the best opportunity because you know the way that they're looking at Jalen Ramsey got two first round picks. Darius Slay got what he he got a first round pick, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. The, yeah, there was the other cornerback uh, who got two first round picks. Um, like if, I don't know what Xavier Howard is worth, but also the Dolphins already have I think someone's first round pick next year uh don't they yeah they have i don't remember how which is yeah houston's they have houston's it's gonna be so that's i mean talk about a dream scenario where if the dolphins go nine and seven they can still end up with a top five or six pick probably and (laughs) and you know like well is there anybody um you know because you do we do talk about fantasy and stuff like that and i know it's easy to sit back and and be like hindsight and and who knows what the future brings but the fact that you draft to uh I'm just like, uh, Justin Jefferson was right there. And I mean, like nothing against Austin <laughs> Jackson or whatever. Any any part of you um, wishing that the Dolphins had one of these exciting rookie receivers? Not necessarily even the first round, but second, third? Um, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, personally, receiver is my favorite position. And, you know, I love watching uh-huh. like a dominant, fun, great receiver. Uh, so, and the Dolphins... You know, I love, I think they have a very solid receiving core, but they don't, I mean, Parker's very good, but he's not, yeah, he's not, I don't think he's like, he's not the one that you're catching on red zone and yeah, uh, people are tweeting about most of the time. Uh, so yeah, like, of course I would love, like, I, I mean, I, of course I would love to have. Do you think in a more it. high volume offense with a Tua that Parker can be um, like that, like that wow guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I haven't watched him. I mean, I, like I would admit, like uh, like you said, I work for the NFL, so I have to keep an eye on a, a lot of teams. I haven't <laughs> watched him enough to know, like, is he not getting open? Is it is he is he getting open and yeah. Fitzgerald's missing throws? Like, I don't know if he has, you know. So I, but I do think that Tua could just open things up generally, which would of course get Parker open. I think. The other thing is Preston Williams hasn't been quite what people maybe thought he would be. 
Uh-huh. I mean, it would be nice to have that second receiver to take the heat off of Williams, right? It's like the DeAndre Hopkins in, in Definitely. Houston. Like he was like, the, I mean, I'm not comparing those two, but DeAndre Hopkins is flourishing now with Kyler Murray and with Christian Kirk. And so – Yeah, 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 he, Christian so, Kirk. Yeah. Uh, and what, so, like, yeah, so Preston Williams has got 12 of 25 targets, which is under 50%, uh, but he has 213 yards because he's had – a 47-yard grab. I, I think he had another grab over 30 yards. Uh, three touchdowns. Um, Mike Gasicki, the tight end, 18 of 30 targets, 281 yards, two touchdowns. Now is Gasicki because he was a second-round pick, I think. Was was is Gasicki a guy who you think can be sort of a Greg Olson-y long-term like solid Zach Ertz tight end? Yeah, I liked him. I mean, Ertz is probably the ceiling, right? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but. Um... I think that would be great. I think tight ends are starting to almost feel like running backs in that you might grab an elite one, but otherwise you can get these guys that come out of nowhere and are good for a season or two and then they disappear. Uh, it seems to be that's what's happening with a lot of teams. Like there are people like Olsen, uh, but like look at like Eric Ebron, like he's a really valuable, but is he elite? No, but would can yeah. just, can be Eric no. Ebron for... <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I think that receivers have that same problem with running backs coming up because, because like I said, there's such a, there's so many good receivers that the idea of paying these guys 17 or $18 million is going to start to really weigh on the teams that do it. Even though, you know, having a guy like DeAndre Hopkins does feel like it makes the Arizona Cardinals good. It kind of feels like without DeAndre Hopkins, like you don't want to ever want to say that a team is good because of one player, and that's definitely not the case with the Arizona Cardinals, but you feel like, how would this team win if it didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, you know? Like, even oh, yeah. they don't have anyone else to throw the ball to like like that. And and Kyler Murray is not a good enough good passer right now. So it really feels like this guy is necessary. However, I'm just most of the teams in the leagues don't have that much dependency on having an elite wide receiver. And you look at a team like Dallas, who has CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and, and, and like they can't do anything. And, and like, uh, I think the other thing too is like receivers used to be just like running backs used to be in their like late 20s, early 30s. Like, that was like 10 years ago. That was not that long <laughs> ago that running backs were all in their past 25 years old. And now yeah. they're all under 25, all of them. Like, uh, once you get to like a random situation like Frank Gore, which is why I think that running backs matter way more than like the like a lot of those. And I like analytics, but I think running backs do matter. And I think that like when a guy like Mike Davis in Carolina has a has a nice successful run, people go, "Oh, see, you can just go from Christian McCaffrey to Mike Davis." And I'm like. <laughs> Mike Davis is in the league for a reason. He's 28 years old. They didn't go out and stick, uh, you know, Cameron Artis Payne back there. You know, they, yeah. they, they're, they're paying Davis $3 million and he was good for the Bears and he was good for the Seahawks. Like, that's a good running back. And other times when a guy goes down and you stick another, like if Miles Gaskin goes down and, and you're going with Lynn Bowden Jr. and something, Matt, you know, it's like you're not going to get that same – yeah, I think you're right. I think there's been something to be so. I think what almost you're saying is that like the depth is because isn't that basically? I haven't been following the Rams closely, but I know that they have like a mm-hmm. what, four running back situation if you count three, Kansas. three. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. But they've been playing well. I don't know how their running game's been, but is that equal to value as having one? Yeah, I don't know what the. I think you're right. I think having one guy and then having no one behind him 
is the is the bad move but I, like yeah McCaffrey i think Davis is the, a good example i think with the rams because yeah the, the rams are going with daryl henderson and malcolm brown and, and you know malcolm brown is not going to be um a number a full-time running back like he's he's like really good actually like he's better than i thought like um, but there's a limitation to what he can be on the field for and what he can do with the ball in his hands. Daryl Henderson has a lot more versatility with what he can do with the ball in his hands, and he's more of that kind of guy. But he's, and they're just, it feels like they're just spell, you know, they're just, they just want to share the ball between him and Brown so he doesn't get worn down. Sure. But also, it is indicative of Cam Akers right now that he doesn't get on the field now. Which is Sean McVay says, hey, when the opportunities, we have certain opportunities for Cam Akers, and those just haven't presented themselves because of the way that the games have gone. And that's mm. fine too, but you know, it's clear that because Cam Akers probably can't pass block and and you know, he's not in there on anything other than a running down for Cam Akers, then all of a sudden <laughs> defenses yeah. are like, uh, let's just go for him. They're not yeah. going in anywhere else. <laughs> but what you know, what I think is also the Rams are gonna have to Face and what they hope is the right decision. And, and I can't say that it's the right or wrong decision because we just don't know yet. Like they've now extended Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Both guys are 28 mm. years old. They're going to be paying both of those guys 16, 17 million dollars when they're like 29, 30 years old. And you wouldn't do that for any running backs. And that's very clear to people. And I'm still saying like, okay, if the Rams are paying those two guys 17, 18, you know, they just drafted Van Jefferson. And it's like, they really need Van Jefferson to like, you need surplus value. You know, like you want that same sort of surplus value. To me, it's like um, an example being uh, like if the Raiders or if Henry Ruggs ends up playing like a $20 million receiver, like if Henry Ruggs ends up playing like Tyreek Hill, that's just as valuable as it, you know, when people talk about, oh, look at the savings on Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago, you could have the best quarterback yeah. in the league. And it's like, it's like saving $20 million. Well, that's the same thing with another position. Like you're still looking at it. Like you want to draft well to, to have those, you know, you want to draft well so that you've got those guys on rookie contracts. who are playing like 18 or $19 million players. And that's why a lot of teams, like I said, I think, they win early on in their phase of their career and there's early in those early parts of those like guys are successful early in their career in the NFL typically like a lot of them uh and then some of them sustain that for a while but I think it's more rare to just be like not that valuable for three or four years and because of the way that rookie contracts work they're only four years long you need that value pretty early on otherwise it's kind of a wasted draft pick they're just going to get valuable at the end it's not like wasted yeah. wasted but no, but I don't mean it doesn't make any sense to have like if Cam Akers comes in in uh, two years and that's when he's really starting to be effective. You've you've blown two years of true value, definitely on Acres. Uh, or and you're right. I think it transfers to literally any position, especially skill positions, where it's becoming apparent that um, yeah. I mean, just because there are always going to be guys coming in that are 22 and fast, and if you're 28, <laughs> you've lost a step. And I know 28 is not old at all, but unless you're elite elite, it's very easy for you to just uh, disappear. Like, you know, I was just, just listening. Less. There's yeah. not, there's not <laughs> a single, there's not a single, there wasn't like, I just wrote about it recently. There, this is not a joke. There was not like a single guy in the NFL who was 28 years old in the top 150 of targets. Wow. That's incredible. 
I mean, I should say maybe wide receiver. There might have been a, a tight end in there or something like that. There was not a single oh, sure. wide receiver. Yeah. There was not a single 28-year-old wide receiver in the top 150 in targets or something like that. Or 29. That's that's like yeah, I would never have. There's like a 30-year-old. The only 30-year-old receivers <laughs> in the NFL in the top 150 in targets, I think, were Cole Beasley. Uh, like they were all guys like uh, like kind of Cole Beasley guys that just like. Um, they're not fast. They just catch the ball. Just can run routes, get six yards. and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, not the guys that are going to get replaced because of speed, you know, reasons or anything like that. They're just very yeah. reliable. Danny Amendola was one of them. Oh, sure. Yeah. Five years ago, 36-year-old Steve Smith was one of the best receivers in the NFL. And, and it's kind of the same way. Like, there's just not as many older, in their 30s receivers. And we're going to start to see that challenge coming up with guys like, Julio Jones was one of them too, obviously. So like Julio Jones is, I think, 31. And Julio Jones is obviously uh, still one of the better receivers in the NFL. But is he even having that good of a season? I don't know. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I know that I think he's kind I mean, again, a lot of the players I follow are from fantasy perspective. Uh, I think he's scoring touchdowns. I mean, Calvin Ridley's their guy right now, right? I think it would be safe to say he's having – I guess I don't know the numbers, but I would guess that Calvin Ridley's having the bigger season. Yeah, well, uh, okay. So Julio Jones still playing very well. He's he's uh, played in five games. He has 447 yards. Got All right. One of 39 <laughs> targets. This is the other thing. These catch percentages and completion percentages are just getting out of control. Uh, <laughs> Calvin Ridley, 615 yards. So yeah, they're both very productive. I mean, that's also a team that doesn't have much of a running game and is playing from behind or playing from a wacky standpoint. Probably a lot of (laughs) quarter yards. Uh, Yeah. uh, But to get back on track, people who are listening to this podcast hate me right now and sometimes always. (laughs) Some of them always hate me. But uh, to get back to the the, uh, Dolphins, you know, this would be a big win for them. Uh, Five and two Rams team to, to, to really put that statement in there because you know, they, they, even though they just blew out the 49ers, who are now 4-3, and three, and they've won their last two games since then, uh, they, the Dolphins hung in there with the Seahawks. Uh, you know, well, they, won, they lost by eight at least. Um, I mean, I think – I mean, that's, that's a small victory for the Dolphins. I mean, definitely. <laughs> like, think, yeah. <laughs> uh, but definitely more of a statement here, too, if they can, if they can knock off Sean McVay's Rams. How are you feeling uh, confidence-wise? Um. I, I mean, I'm not expecting a win. I'm not expecting Tua to be, um, you know, uh, come out and be firing and also uh, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so, uh, what are you expecting do- from Tua? Um, well, geez, I've been talking about this a lot lately. It's almost scarier that Herbert and Burrow have been as good because now I feel like Tua could be. 70% of either of those guys and that's objectively a successful season or perhaps yeah. you know like that but then is it gonna then am I gonna start panicking to be like oh man we passed on or I guess we didn't pass on Herbert or no yeah we did right yeah um yeah you did yeah he did. so he, I mean I'm not it's only one season it's a half season uh but it's I think Herbert and Burrow playing so well have definitely um kind of raise the expectations even if it's not fair Definitely. To uh but against the rams specifically i mean the dolphins line i think has been better than expected but uh, 
I don't know how well they're going to be able to. It's a hell of a first game for Tua. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Aaron Donald is like maybe the MVP of the league this year. And so, yeah, uh, like I, 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 I think he's going to get hit. I think the Rams are going to be able to dominate and they're, I'm not super optimistic that the, I think the Dolphins can hang in there because I think mm-hmm. that they're good enough to, I don't think they're the Jets. I don't think that they're the Jaguars. And so yeah. I think that I'm optimistic in that Tua could have a pretty decent game, but I think that, you know, Tua taking some hits, making some dumb throws, maybe throwing a pick that he shouldn't have thrown isn't unrealistic to expect, especially just against, it's a really good team. It, it, it's, a, it's a really, I mean, I don't think it's like the worst situation, but it's not the best first team to play, especially uh-huh. when you're just come off of two great games where you blow out the Jets. And you yeah, look really good against the 49ers. So. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean like 49ers, I mean, say what you will about Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle or whatever. Like he was out there, he was starting, like they put yeah. him in the game and the Dolphins had, I mean, that's the thing too. The Dolphins are third in points allowed. I mean, Brian Flores yeah. is not a joke. I mean, there's, there's yeah. something good going on because they don't even, again, they don't, Emmanuel Agba is their only pass rusher and that's, that's up, like that has like a lot of sacks right now and he's got five yeah. sacks and not a lot of people expected that to happen. And, uh, you know, Byron Jones has come in the last couple of games and I think their defense has really gone off with Byron Jones in there. Um, and again, yeah. like, we haven't even talked about Noah Igbeni and their other early draft <laughs> picks, you know, they've got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. That's what, yeah. I was going to say like the, I think that's the, I was, it's easy to focus on the offense because two is in there. And then like, we've talked about like Gaskin playing well, but I think that's their shot against the Rams. Right. I think, I don't, I know this is a Rams podcast, but I wouldn't say that they have an explosive offense. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, they like st- they have an efficient <laughs> offense for sure. Yeah. More so than an explosive offense. Yeah. And again, nothing against the Rams because I think they've been playing really well and I like the Rams. Uh, but I do think that this is the type of team that the Dolphins can, um, hang with at least you know like uh, yeah. I, that's their shot is to to keep the rams offense at bay and then hope that to uh can just you know like that they're they're not going to win a game that um the rams i think even scored 28 or <laughs> you know so i think yeah. it has to be one of those games where it's like oh 21 17 with four minutes left and the Dolphins have a shot here, but I do yeah. think like three out of these uh, first six games, or at least, you know, the, I think that the Rams offense have had some really solid moments, uh, but I think almost half of their games, um, if not a little bit more of total game time, that just hasn't worked as well as they would like. And that's because they have, they only scored 20 against the Cowboys, who we now know is one of the worst defenses in the NFL <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, they only scored, um, they struggled for most of the game against the Bills. They only scored 17 points against the Giants. They only scored uh, whatever they scored against the uh, this 24 last week against the Bears. But uh, we're, we're going to get out of here. And just because you brought up Justin Herbert, that just made me think because I had this thought the other day too. And I'm like, the Dolphins – they get they they have a reprieve from this conversation because we haven't seen Tua yet. I do think like <laughs> to your point, like um, I would be even less concerned about Tua because passing in the NFL has become so much easier. Uh, there are way more successful quarterbacks. I think a lot of quarterbacks. We're going to find out in a year or two. We're going to look back at some of these quarterbacks and, and really look at their numbers and go, "Wow, we were fooled." There is no. I mean, come on. I mean, these guys are completing 72% of their passes now for nine yards per attempt. This is 
this is not the way that the <laughs> holding is down, whatever, 59%. They're really letting them have it. And, and teams are just, it's so much easier to play offense now and stuff like that. But all that being said, I think the Washington needs to regret this. The Lions need to regret this. The Giants <laughs> need to regret this, that they passed on Justin Herbert. Because that to me, and the Bengals maybe have to regret it too. As good as Joe Burrow is. To me, I think Justin Herbert is the best quarterback uh, of the last 10 years. And I know that he's only played a few games and, and it can be hot streaks and stuff like that. And, uh, and I think that anything is possible. But even before the season began, when I had done more research on Herbert, I thought, this guy is special um, and he's playing so well. Any thoughts on Justin Herbert to that degree from a fantasy perspective, from the fact that the Dolphins passed on in perspective? I mean, yeah, that's the big question, right? And kind of what I was alluding to is that I was happy that they took Tua at the time, uh, but it is it is tough to watch Herbert knowing. And I like the char. I, I maybe this is, I don't know if I can say this on a Rams podcast, but I also really like the Chargers. But so I've been enjoying watching Herbert as a fan, as as someone who generally likes the Chargers, uh, and he's been very impressive. Uh, so yeah, that's like that's why I have to select if two is still good, but not that good. I still have to wait. And like, how long, you know, how long do you wait to admit that they made the mistake if Herbert keeps this up and two is not as good. Uh, But yeah, definitely. If I'm a, if I'm a Washington fan, especially, I think I'm wondering, I mean, I mean, they didn't. Nothing wrong with Chase Young, you know, like nothing against him, but yeah, quarterback is quarterback. Yeah. And it's just been brutal. And I I like, oh man. Yeah. I think that's it. And, being a Dolphins fan where we haven't had a good quarterback and then the one quarterback you had the most faith in is now the <laughs> good for the Titans and was never this good for the Dolphins uh, uh, oh my God, is, yeah. is uh, which is fine. I'm still, I, I'll still root for Tannehill, but yeah. So I don't, unless Tua turns into like an RG three level bust. Uh, I don't yeah. think that I'm going to immediately, reg- I don't think, I, I think it, or like even a Trubisky level bust. I don't, I think it's going to have to be that level right away. <laughs> Uh, yeah. for me to to really rue that they took Tua um, but yeah there's definitely you know you can definitely see myself a year from now and Herbert is leading the Chargers to the playoffs and Tua can't stay on the field or, or yeah. looks like he can't make it and I'm and I'm regretting it but uh, at, <laughs> at this moment like you know I underestimated Herbert but I think he's I, I think he's good and I'm happy right now and and we'll see how Tua plays but I have a lot of faith in Tua so great uh yeah and I think that uh I mean I was I've been a Tua skeptic for a long time um nothing against him uh definitely injuries take part in that skepticism mm-hmm. and um I think at the end of the day I've developed a trust and a belief a little bit in Brian Flores so I'm kind of believing that if he's making the switch, he actually believes that Tua gives them a better chance to win than Ryan Fitzpatrick, which Ryan Fitzpatrick was giving them a pretty good chance to win already. Um, but clearly there is a level above his play at quarterback. And if Tua's got that now, um, I'm excited to see it because he did yeah. play well when he played at Atlanta. So Yeah, he did. And that's, and that's what I'm excited because if Flores thinks that, I want to see what, what he's seeing that warrants this as also the timing makes it feel like that he was playing this from week one but uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh yeah I, i'm really excited to see and and 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess if he's better than Fitzpatrick, I'll be happy and I'll forget about Herbert and Burrow and then see yeah. down the road I can make that comparison. There you go. <laughs> uh, this Sunday, Dolphins and Rams. Waylon McQueen, anything uh, you'd like to say to the listeners out there? This is a Rams podcast, obviously, but uh, anything uh, <laughs> you'd like to say to them uh, before uh, we go? No, I, like I said, I, I genuinely really like the Rams. I was happy that they moved to LA and, um, you know, I have a few NFC teams I kind of root for and the Rams is one of them. So I would love to see the Rams in the Super Bowl mm-hmm, uh, this year. I'm definitely rooting for them. And, uh, you know, I think the Cardinals are a fun team too. So I hope that turns into like a fun rivalry. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Rams fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Waylon McQueen, thank you for uh, having this conversation with me. And uh, thanks for everyone out there for listening to Pod TST.